if yoga is about oneness and interdependence and consciousness and connection, all of those things feel connected to justice as well and, and how we create conditions for justice. Hi, I'm Nita. Welcome to Ask Me About Yoga Therapy, where we explore the profession of yoga therapy, one practitioner at a time. Tangent alert. Today, I am not interviewing a yoga therapist, and it's totally worth it. Michelle Cassandra Johnson is an anti-racism consultant and trainer. She's a social justice warrior informed by her yoga practice and two decades of clinical social work. She's published two books, Skill in Action and Finding Refuge. You can check out her TEDx talk called There Is No Neutral and her podcast called Finding Refuge and her website at michellecjohnson.com. All links in the episode notes. I caught up with Michelle back in April while she sat in her car. Yes, that's so North American. Let's go. I'm sure you've encountered this uh, is the why should I piece. So why is it important to you to remember that yoga can and should be an instrument for social justice? Yes, this is a big, big question. Um, and it makes me think about the political and personal and how often people want to spiritually bypass as if we're not having a politicized experience in our bodies based on the identities we embody. And so I feel like, and obviously many different people have um, sort of just an understanding of yoga and different understandings of yoga. And my understanding and practice has always been to ask how is this connected to social justice because of how I came to the practice already as an activist and dismantling racism trainer. And so I think, you know, why this, why now, what is the intersection? I just think so much is at stake. Like we are losing people. We are losing, um, people don't have what they need to be well. People don't even have access to healing practices. People don't have what they need. Institutions aren't asking what they need. And I feel like um, yoga as an industry is certainly participating in the this um, practice of of not asking people what they need to thrive and perpetuating the problem and perpetuating exclusion. And um, as a liberatory practice, that's always been confusing to me. You know, I'm I'm already thinking um, that I wish people could see your generous smile as you're saying this, because I think people forget that this comes from that place of generosity and love and sometimes when people are just hearing the audio words that are strong and maybe new. So I just want to name that you have this brilliant smile and expression of kindness as you're saying this stuff. One of the things that you say a few times, and I know you wrote this book, uh, Skill in Action, a while ago, and a few times you mentioned in that book, intention is not the same as impact. Can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, I first I think I first heard that or talked about it in the context of a dismantling racism training. It may have been in our list of agreements or list of assumptions, but the, the reality of that um, assumption or agreement is that I can have very good intentions and still cause harm. And I do cause harm because of my social location, my social group memberships, the places where I, I am assigned privilege and advantage just for being and because of the systems I inherited when I was born into this body in this lifetime. Of course, I also have identities where I experience oppression. And the work, I think, part of the practice is to pay attention to impact. 
and especially to listen to people who are less proximal to social and institutional power. So like the power to define reality for yourself and everyone else and the, the power to um, put policies into place that affect everyone in ways that that folks who are marginalized, they don't have that same power. And so I think we need to be in the practice of holding like, yes, this is my intention. And yes, I still cause harm. And that's the heart of that. Yeah, I wonder if that's sometimes because people forget that that they do have that power to begin with, mm-hmm. or that agency, and that that is one of those things that yoga can show us that we all in our small and smaller and big and bigger ways have agency in some realm that we can apply. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right, because I've led an activity on social location and in skill and action, it's like the uniquely positioned exercise in the book. And people, it's where people map their proximity to power based on their, the identities, many of which have been constructed by dominant culture and and hierarchies um, and, and systems of superiority. And people are shocked that they are so proximal to power when they map it out. It's like, oh, wait, I didn't know I had that much power because dominant culture doesn't want us to be thinking about the power we have, because if we actually think about agency and responsibility and what it means to be in solidarity, we'll, we'll change the world. And that's not, dominant culture will not thrive if we're like in the business of understanding our power and what that means about accountability and our right role. I'm going back to another question where you say, why is it required? I'm, I'm curious, why is it required in yoga? Because I think that people who are familiar with the language of politics can feel overwhelmed by hearing the terminology and then say, no, this is not something I can engage in while I'm doing this happy spiritual practice. And it, I can see from your nodding that you have some thoughts around that, that maybe you've heard this response before. What would you like to say to that? I, I want to say that. Um... You know, I say this often that we live in this world that tries to fragment us and doesn't want us to remember we are whole. And so I I just name this because I understand why people would connect with a practice that is, I mean, has brought so much healing to so many people um, and and engage in a practice to feel whole, to feel better, to work through issues. Like, I, I understand that. I have engaged in the practice in that same way. Um, with an awareness that my healing is um, it's it is in connection with with everyone else and their ability to heal and the planet right and what we're doing to the planet that causes harm and sustainability right and future generations and so I understand why people would go and practice and say I'm I'm going to my practice and I feel good as if they're not in relationship with everyone and everything and I guess because of my background as a black person in America, my mother and her, the way she, she was a special education teacher. So the way she cared for people that certainly influenced me and um, just how the philosophy of yoga landed with me. I was kind of like, we're in relationship with everything. So there's no way I can go and practice, even if I'm practicing in my home, right. In isolation is, I feel like it's my responsibility to think about how that practice is, is going to be in service of something bigger than me. And I understand that can be a leap, especially if people are going into spaces where um, hyper individualism is what's centered. Like, yes, we're going to practice together in a space, but this is your practice, right? Your experience. And yes, it is, but we're also in relationships. So we're having a collective experience. 
and so maybe that will help people. Like, how do we hold that? Yes, I'm in this body having this experience, but I'm also in relationship with everything. And what does that mean about how I practice yoga? Because that's how I, how I understand yoga. Like that's how I, I just, um, I, I love that, that relationship with everything. That to me is a great translation of Om mm -hmm. uh, in many ways. So I, that's, uh, thank you for saying that. Um, I, so as I mentioned when we were exchanging emails, I'm not a fan of people, of requiring people to calm down, um, especially when life isn't safe or problematic. And what drew me to some of your writing is how you are using these aspects of yoga philosophy to really help people examine what has them activated and then respond versus react, which is another I think is part of the useful project that yoga has in our contemporary space. So um, I'm wondering how you see that, if I've made a leap in your assumptions there or the way you practice, and if you'd like to speak a bit about how some of those ideas uh, inform what you do. Yeah, um, I am clear that our nervous systems are like overwhelmed completely. We are often, I mean, I'm generalizing, but based on what I, see, experience, feel, sense, and my own individual experience, like the world is, is overwhelming and distracting. And the nervous system is constantly in this state of um, hypervigilance and like, what's going to happen next. And that's been amplified by things like co intensified by COVID, right? By uprisings, by uncertainty, which of course yoga can help us respond to uncertainty because nothing is certain. And if we don't know that by now, I don't know what else like what else needs to happen? <laughs> Anything else to happen to teach us that? There's enough around us, and and um, so I feel like that's kind of the the background, the landscape. And I feel like um, if we do not work in some way to rest, um, to um, think critically about how we want to respond, to work with the nervous system and yoga can help us with this to understand the different patterns, right? Um, habitual ways that we move and show up in the world. I feel like we don't need more reactivity to your point because the world is already reactive enough. We actually need to, it, this isn't about calming down. This is about um, thinking about what does it mean to respond in this situation based on my social location, based on the context, based on my identity? What does it mean to take a deep breath in this moment? And remember, we are all connected, but still respond and speak truth to this person that may have caused harm in this space. That's often when I facilitate what I'm doing is like tracking this space and inviting people into this place of, of um, responsiveness instead of frenzy. Like the world is frenzy. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really want to feel more of that. I feel that based on race, I feel frenzied all of the time because I'm living in a white supremacy culture. Like that's just, and I came in that way because I came from black people. Like that's how I came into the world. And so that's going on all of the time. Like that's rolling in the background all the time. And I don't want to um, sort of amplify that by not um, tending the nervous system. Mm -hmm. We are talking a lot and very interested about the nervous system and how is it possible to support individuals and groups of people to um, soothe that nervous system when a space isn't 
inclusive or isn't welcoming to them. I, I'm trying to think about what are some tangible things that people can keep in mind as they proceed. Yeah, what your your question and what you've shared is making me think about one of the uh, um, agreements, which is brave space or safer space. Like the world isn't safe. Mm-hmm. So the space we create may feel safe to some people, but it's still happening inside of a world that is not safe for everyone. And how do we hold both, right? How do we invite people into some sense of safety um, or support them in determining what that might look like as we invite them to breathe, as we invite them to um, move together, as we invite them to sit, right? How do we do that? And we also this came up all the time when I taught a class for women of color, I would teach yoga nidra and then recognize, oh, they're going to go out the door and the world is going to be unsafe. Immediately, they feel they feel safer here because they've expressed that and we're having a shared experience and they're going to leave and they're going to, white supremacy is going to meet them at the door. And it was so, um, I just had a visceral reaction to it. Like I'm inviting rest in a world that doesn't want these women to rest. That's what what you named made me think about and so how do we acknowledge um, the, the lack of safety in the world for everyone or conditions that are not in place for everyone to thrive or people's inability to be well for many different reasons? And, and how do we acknowledge the barriers to equity in a space as we're holding it while we're inviting people into creating a more equitable space, a safe space? Well, how would you do that? Because I'm, I'm thinking of that too when I was um, volunteering in a shelter and these young women and they are struggling socioeconomically and judged by everybody. And the last thing I wanted to ask them to do is to close their eyes when they have their babies in their arms and are just learning to find safety for the first time. It just didn't make sense. And so we didn't do that. Um, And I'm thinking along the lines of invitational language and suggestions and how that can change comfort levels in a room. What sorts of things would you suggest as well? Yeah, so often when I teach, I'll say you have agency in this space as you move or as we breathe with an awareness, like here you have agency in this moment and you may not always have agency. Like I just named that that's the reality. So let's sort of lean into the experience of this right now, even if we understand the the context. I think invitational language letting people know they have a lot of choice um, that I often say there are many different ways to move or be oh, good. Right. So it doesn't have to look like someone else. And I mean that in all of the ways, right there, we have to show up differently because we have different roles, but like in my body, I may need to move in a different way than someone else. That's fine. We're all moving in some way again, in service of something bigger or um, in service of the collective good, but like we move in different ways, we show up differently. We're not all having the same experience. I think that's important. And that's a way of naming it without saying the world's unsafe, which I wouldn't say in every setting, just to be clear. Like, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> folks are like deeply traumatized. I don't know why I'm laughing. I think I'm envisioning the pandemonium that could ensue. I don't know why that's funny. But... I'm not going to do that in, in every con. I'll do it when it makes sense, but I'm not going to do that in every space. But like, I also know that um, safety or freedom, that's our birthright. And we can invite people into the experience of that, right? Even if that's Mm. been taken away. I just think the power of like inviting people into that from an authentic place with a clear analysis of power, even if you're not having that conversation with the class, but like, you know, and they can feel right. What you, what you mean, or you're, you know, what you're trying to offer. I think those are some of the things Mm. that come to to mind. Um, yeah. 
it's not an easy task. I just think we can be authentic and truthful about where we where we are and the different realities that are happening and invite people into the practice and allow them to be the way they want to be for that hour, 90 minutes, whatever it might be when we get to, when we have the honor of, of being with them and sharing space with them. Yoga is this funny place where it is an appropriated practice. Yes. And has been, and has become a completely different animal in many ways and also uh, is still of service. Right. Can you riff on that a little bit? I'm sure you've thought about this. It would be weird if you hadn't. <laughs> I think about it a lot because um, yoga, um, the sort of lineage I learned is not directly connected to my ancestry or blood lineage. So I'm aware of that and have throughout time had questions about and I'm sitting with this question now, do I call myself a yoga teacher? Do I just say I'm practicing yoga and studying yoga? Let me try, how would that feel? Um, and what does it mean that I'm profiting from a practice that is not directly connected to my ancestry or lineage? And what does it mean that, that I say yoga means this to me without a full awareness of what yoga is? Like, these are the questions I ask myself all the time and also then think about, well, what does this mean about how I practice? Um, can I honor the teachers and, and um, spaces that I, where I know yoga has come from, right? That might say, you know, people from Africa, people from India, right? Even though I didn't learn kinetic yoga, that's not the lineage that I learned. Um, can I think about reparations, if I'm profit, which I have, if I'm profiting and giving back to people, given that I am financially profiting from calling myself a yoga teacher in the work. And this isn't, I think I have a place in the practice and and work and certainly something to say but I also at some point it wasn't enough to be like I'm sitting with these questions it's like actually I need to think about reparations right something there's there's cultural appreciation and then I think there are like reparations I need to account for this in some some way um how did you do that I I'm in relationship with some folks um who are directly connected to the lineage and had a had two conversations with them about is this if I were to give reparations, where, where should I give them? Does this make sense? Do you want me to do that? Then we'd start talking about castes and where it made sense for me to do that and based on where they're from. So that way, like donating mm -hmm. um, a certain percentage of my the money that I do make, back, giving back. Um, and I, not everyone can do that. I'm not saying that's the only way. I am saying though, at some point it didn't feel like enough for me to ask the question, how am I appropriating? Mm -hmm. I was like, actually, now I know how in this way. So what do I need to do about that? Um, and I just think we need to name, like, if we're teaching a Westernized version of yoga, we can say that that's what we're teaching. That's what we learned. And often I'll say, there's so much more I need to learn about yoga and I'll be learning it for the rest of my life. I'm like engaged and invested in this practice. There's so much I don't know. Solid tangent. Am I right? Thanks for joining. Until next time. Shanti. Bye.